We are in a series that we started a couple weeks ago called We Are Reckless. And what we're trying to do as part of this series is we want to define who we are. We want to say that reckless is more than just a name, that there are, there are things that we're about. This is what we stand for. And we, want to, we have an opportunity this year as we start the year out to really set in stone who we are and what we're about and the way that we're going to live our lives to the point that it changes not just us, but it changes people out there. And so that's what we're trying to accomplish. Now, how many of you guys remember, we've, we've talked about, each week we're kind of given like a, a word or a descriptor or whatever about, about what we are. All right, so to make me feel a little bit good that you guys are paying attention, who can remember what we've talked about over the first couple of weeks? We've made two we are statements. We are what? We are what? Forgiven and faithful. Look at that. Some of you guys are paying attention. That's all. What was that? So we are f- forgiven and we are faith-filled, all right? So the first week, we start off by saying we are forgiven, which is the core of who we are, is our relationship with Jesus, that at the center of, if we're a follower of Jesus, we are forgiven. God has set us free because of his death and resurrection, and we have now been brought from death to life. And it changes everything, or it should change everything. It should be a big enough deal that that's the thing that, that we identify with the most, is that we are forgiven. We are sons and daughters of God who have been brought into God's family. We're forgiven. So in the last week, we talked about the fact that we are faith-filled. That we live every single day, in every moment, believing with every part of who we are, that God is with us, that God is for us, and that God can accomplish and will accomplish great things through us. And we were fortunate enough to have Lindsey Blake up here who graduated back in May. He's getting ready to go off and, and is a world changer. I mean, God is grabbing a hold of her heart and doing some amazing things in her life. And I love the fact that for her it started here. As she goes off and she changes the world, she traces her roots back to here. of going, man, over the last few years, God has used this place to grab a hold of my heart and to transform me and has filled me with faith, believing that God is going to accomplish something powerful through me. So that's what we talked about so far. Now tonight we're going to talk about and kind of define that third thing that we're all about. And, and I, be, I believe tonight that it is one of the most powerful things that God has called us to. I believe that it is one of those things that is so powerful. We have an incredible opportunity before us to be this thing. And it's no... You know, it's no accident or no coincidence that we're talking about this on the night that we're starting our small groups. All right? How many of you guys are excited about your small group? <laughs> so it's, it's felt, over the last couple of weeks, it's felt like something's missing. A piece is missing. We have our service, and then we kind of hang out for a few minutes, and then we go home. And missing what we have been communicating, what we really believe is the most important thing we do, and that's our small groups. And so as we launch those tonight and start those for the, for the first time this year, we also want to kind of be able to, to use tonight to define what those groups are all about, and not just in our small group, but even here in this room, what we need to be about. So the third thing, if you want to take notes tonight, the third we are statement is that we are reckless, which means we are a growing community. We are a growing community. Now, when you hear the word community... Most of you guys are smart. All of you are smart. We don't have any dumb people in here. You guys are all smart. You probably know what community is. Here's, here's a definition of community. 
Community is a group of people who share something in common that is unique to the world at large. All right, that's what a community is, is a group of people, and it could be three or four, it could be hundreds, who have something in common. They share some unique characteristic or attribute or whatever, something that they share in common that's different than the world outside. So as, as I was thinking about, like, you know, just some visuals, like what would be uh, some pictures that we would think of community? And I don't know why this is the first thing that popped in my head, but when you think of community, there might be some different things that, that pop into your head. But to me, the first thing that came up was if you, and you've, you've experienced this if you've ever stepped foot inside a Walmart, all right, is a, a, a Walmart community, all right? Now, here's, here's what you might potentially see on any given trip to your local Walmart, all right? And we love Walmart. I'm not bashing Walmart or the people that shop at Walmart, but, um, Chances are, if you guys go into a Walmart, especially late at night, all right, it, it's like Waffle House used to be back when I, you know, w- w- was growing up, back in my day, and, and I would go to Waffle House, and it was like, you saw all kinds, people just came out of the woodwork, you're like, where do these people live, where do they come from, and that's kind of like what Walmart is, so we love those people, Jesus loves those people too, even if they're men that wear dresses, all right, so maybe you see Ladies who carry their five-year-old in a, a little baby carry carriage or whatever that is. Or you see bearded men in dresses. And, um, and this is almost like a phenomenon that you see. You know, there's Instagram, you know, uh, profiles and there's, tw- you know, Twitter profiles and things that are all dedicated to the people of Walmart and have pictures. If you ever are bored, you know, or you're... You're going to the bathroom one day and you have nothing, nowhere else to go. Um, then just Instagram, Walmart, I think it's Walmart people. Don't do it now, okay? I'm giving you, people of Walmart, thank you. So Instagram that and then just enjoy that, all right? And that, those are the kind of people that we see. So maybe you think of, there, there's obviously some unique characteristics that, um, that the people of Walmart oftentimes share that is different than the world outside. Maybe when you think of, of community, another example might be the farming community, all right? So you think of, if you grew up on a farm or you live on a farm now, I mean, it's just, it's a different way of life than other people live, you know, in the suburbs or in the neighborhoods or whatever. It's just a different way of life. And the farming community adds a lot of value to our, you know, to our country and provides produce and crops and food and all that kind of stuff. And we love farmers, all right? And they even have... Dating websites de- dedicated to them because they're, they're so important, all right? So maybe that's what you think of when, a, when you think of the word community. Maybe you even think, like what we're talking about tonight, is a, a church community. So you think that church or that student ministry or that group of people, that Bible study or that FCA on your campus or whatever, and that's, that's kind of your picture of community and what community can look like. And it is obvious, especially as you see this, there might be people in the world that walk by this or drop in or open up a, a door and see this going on in a room and think, man, this, just, this is unique. Like, you don't see this every day. This is something that's different. So for us, as we are being able to define the word community, that's, 
That's in essence what we want to be. We want to be, I love the definition of share something in common. And that's what we want to be about. We want to be a a growing community. As reckless, we want to be known as a community, something that sh- some a, a group of people that share something in common. All right, not so much Walmart, but more so maybe that picture right there. That's what we want to be about. Now tonight, there's there's three things I want to give you to to further define what this looks like. All right, if we're going to be a growing community, here's what this is going to look like. Here's what this has to look like if you and I are going to pull this off together. Okay, the first statement is that everyone belongs in a growing community. Everyone belongs in a growing community. Now, our first impression team, who do a fantastic job, and I love what they're doing and the impact that they're having. Amazing. And we have one fan, other than me. They're awesome. And themselves. They love themselves. So, they, they heard me talk through this, all right, when we were casting vision to them about first impression team and why it's such a big deal and why we want students serving on that team. And so they've, they've heard this before, but last year, from August, beginning of August to May, all right, August 2014 to May 2015, there were just in this room at Reckless, there were 225 students that showed up for the first time. All right, and maybe you guys even heard that, some of you heard me say this at the kickoff. 225 students showed up for the first time. Incredible. Like, I love the fact that there are that many students that came last year for the first time to Reckless. But of those, I want to ask you a question, you can throw out some answers to me. Of those, except for you guys, first impression, no cheating. Of those 225 students, how many of them do you think came back a second time? All right, we got a 65. I heard a 600 and something. Sweet. Of 225, we had 600 come again. That's awesome. I don't know what school you go to. How many of you guys think? No, don't bash other schools. Come on. How many do you think? All right, cool. There's some good numbers. You can just throw out some random numbers. It doesn't even matter. Like 600 and something. Here it, here's the answer. All right, come back. Come back to me. Of those 225 students that showed up last year for the first time, 82 of them came back a second time. 82. That means 143 students came one time last year to Reckless and never showed up again. Now, there could be a lot of reasons for that, all right? They're, they may have walked in the room and said, man, this room's too small. There's too many people in this room. I'm never coming back here again. Or there's not enough people in this room. Or, man, that guy that speaks with the curly hair, he's weird and he talks funny and, and he bores me. And so they didn't come back. Or they may think, man, the band's not any good, um, which they would be totally wrong on that. But then maybe that's what they think. Or they could have been visiting from out of town and just showed up that one time. And there's, there's different reasons for that. But we do know, based on studies and things like that, that the number one reason why for you as a teenager will not come back to something, the number one reason is because they don't feel like they belong. That's the number one reason why a teenager will not come back to something, is because they don't feel like that's for them, that they belong. 
So for me, I look at that and I say, all right, if you take out those other reasons and things like that, so say of those 143, oh, at least 100 of them didn't come back to Reckless last year because we didn't do a good job of making them feel welcome. They walked into that door and they sat in a chair and maybe they went to small groups and then they left feeling like they knew the same number of people that they did when they came in or feeling like that person judged me or they didn't say hi to me or they didn't make me feel welcome or I'm the only one from my school campus that goes there or whatever the case may be. But they walked away at the end of the night saying, I'm never coming back to that because I don't feel like that's a place that I belong at. So that's a hundred students that we didn't make feel welcome. A hundred students that we didn't show genuine community to. A hundred students who potentially have not discovered God's love for them and his plan for their life. And for me, and hopefully for you too, that's quite simply unacceptable. Like that burdens my heart like you don't understand. That hurts me to the core of who I am. To think that there are that many students that have shown up here and we have failed at the thing that honestly we ought to be the best at. And that's making everybody feel like they belong. See, for us as reckless, we don't have a problem attracting students or new students. We have a problem keeping them. That's our issue right now. And when we talk about growing community, that's, what, that's part of what makes this so powerful is that a growing community solves that issue. It creates an environment where everyone feels like they, they belong, where everyone feels loved by God and by us. Where every student is celebrated for showing up regardless of where they are in life or regardless of what they believe or where they're at in their faith. But they can show up in this room or into your small group and be loved and accepted for who they are because they are loved and accepted by God. Where every single student is given the opportunity to experience the love of Jesus. Now let me ask you a question. All right, and don't answer this out loud. Just think about this for you, all right? Don't cast judgment to somebody else, but for you tonight, yourself. What if the student that you least, that you thought was least likely to show up in this room showed up in this room? That student on your school campus or that you know that thought, man, they would never show up at a place like this, and they did. Would you celebrate that Or would you be frustrated by that? Would you run over there to them and put your arm around them and say, man, I'm so glad you're here. Or would you say, I can't believe they had the nerve to show up here. What is your attitude when a new student shows up one Wednesday night into your small group for the first time? And you've got a group of girls or a group of guys who you've gotten to know and you're excited about and you just want to keep it that group of of students that you, know, that you know and that you trust, and you know, Sally, new student, walks into that group and she sits down. What do you do when that student walks in? Does your group make them feel loved and accepted the minute they walk in, or do you pretend like they're not there? Or do you treat them to the, to the extent that you say, you're not really welcome around here? Why don't you go find another small group? See, if you and I are going to be a growing community, we have to get this right. 
And we have to make sure that we create the environment where everyone belongs. Here's the second thing. Everyone is unified together in a growing community. Everyone's unified together in a growing community. You can't have the word community without the word unity. So, for example, a football team has to be focused on the same goal, right, when they run out on the field. All right, east versus north, Friday night. Woo, it's going to be awesome. Oh, my God. That was a rookie mistake. I never should have done that. So when those teams run out there on that football field, all right, hopefully they are focused on the same goal. And that's beating the opponent, right? That's the goal that they've set. So every single play, every player has to be in the right position. You can have 10 of the 11 guys on defense could be in the right position, but that one other person that's not in the right position could give up a big play or a touchdown. So the fact that they've got to be unified, not most of them, but every single one of them is critical if they're going to accomplish the goal that they've set out to accomplish. All right, take concert band. For you guys that are in the, and ladies that are in the band. You could have a 50-piece band, right, or an orchestra, all playing the same notes at the same tempo. And all it takes is one squeaky clarinet player or one saxophonist or flutist or whatever to decide, you know what, I'm doing my own thing. And I'm going to play different notes at a different tempo to then make that concert band the worst concert band ever. All right, and maybe some of you have been to concerts like that. And you're like, dear Lord, please let it end. But that's the, that's the, that's the impact that one person has if, they're, if they, that group is not totally unified. You could have one drummer decide that he's going to do his own thing and he's going to you know, beat the drum at a different tempo or a different cadence and it's going to cause a major distraction for everyone else and is going to create a great YouTube video for all of us to watch right now. All right, so here's, here's, let me give you an example. Check out this video of how this potentially could go very, very badly. All right, that poor middle school drummer. At some point, he was just like, you know what, band instructor, I got this, all right? I don't care what song you're playing right now. I'm just going to beat the living heck out of this drum right now. I love that. And his mom's crying in the audience, and now he's a YouTube sensation because he's got millions of hits, and now he probably doesn't play the drums anymore. But that, that is what potentially can go wrong if there's not unity. All right, when there is not unity, there is disaster. And football players understand that, and most band members understand that. The importance of being of one mind. But for some reason, Christians seem to do the worst at this. The thing that we really ought to be the best at, we're the worst at. The thing that other, the world ought to look at us and say, man, they are unified together in love and the way that they live their lives. Now, if you ask most people, they're like, if I want love, I'm not going there. We backstab each other, we talk about each other behind their back, we complain and we argue and we fail to love each other the way that Christ wants us to love each other. Listen to what 1 Peter 3 verse 8 says. It says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. So that verse, that, that is a picture of how we want every small group to be. 
to be unified in purpose. We, it doesn't mean that everyone in your small group has to be exactly like you. All right? In fact, we don't want that. All right? We love you, but there's only one of you, and that's fine with us. Like, we love you exactly that way, and all of the weirdness and all of my weirdness is a good thing there's not two of me running around. And I love the fact that for us, we can come in this room and represent different school campuses and represent different family backgrounds and represent different races and all of the things that make us different. And yet for us, it's about not being unified together in in everything and having everything in common. Unity is about having the most important thing in common. Unity is about us being together on the thing that matters the most, more than anything else. Because for you and I, at the core of who we are is Christ's message. The greatest message that ever exists, that Jesus loves us, that Jesus died for us, and that Jesus wants to make us like him. That is the message that should unify us together. It is so powerful, so life-changing, so life-transformational that it should be the thing that unifies every single one of our small groups together. We could have different interests and different things that we're about and we could have different school campuses and different family situations and all of that, but we can be a powerful representation of what the church looks like because we are so tight together in what matters most and that's who Jesus is in us. That's the way it ought to look. That's the way that we ought to model our small groups. Why is it that so often we do the opposite? Now, there are some of you guys and your small groups that do a really great job of this. There are some of you that model that, and you are unified together. And, you look, and I love those small groups who you look on the outside and you're like, man, that looks like a dysfunctional mess to somebody that might walk by. Because they seem so different and there's different personalities and all that kind of stuff. But then you watch the group take place and you're like, yeah, but they understand what matters the most and that unifies them together. That's one of the things I love about our Nicaragua groups when we go. We break them up on purpose and the first training session they're like, I hate my group, it's stupid. and I don't even know anybody and this is dumb and maybe I shouldn't go on this trip. And then by the time the trip happens, they've gotten to know each other and everything. And by the end of the trip, it's like, hey, selfies at Rush, you know, group reunited. And you look at that and you're like, they have nothing in common in a lot of cases. But they, un- they served each other together. They were unified in the mission and what God had called them to. And that made all the difference. And there's some of you guys that do a great job of modeling that. But honestly, there are some of the groups that have some work to do and some changes that need to be made. There are some of you who have allowed your group to become divisive. You focused more on what you don't like about someone else or what you don't have in common with them rather than focusing on the thing that hopefully should unite you more than anything else. You've allowed issues to come between you and another person in that group And you have not modeled what true community looks like. And honestly, I would be afraid to send a new student into that group. Because they would get a very false representation of what small groups are supposed to be about. And the last thing I want to do is stand up here and tell a new student, Hey, small groups are the most important thing we do. You should go and you're going to be loved and accepted and help grow in your faith. And then they show up and it's like, 
you know, this bickering back and forth, and you can tell there's just tension and issues and things, and you guys refuse to work it out and get on the same page and fight together with each other for the same goal and for the same purpose that God's called us to. This is not something that three-fourths of our small groups can model. If we're going to pull this off, every single one of our groups has to be able to model this. Here's the last thing. Everyone is pushed closer to Jesus in a growing community. One of the things I love so much about who Jesus is, is that he meets us where we are. We don't have to clean ourselves up and then bring ourselves to God. We, we come to God and he cleans up our mess. That he meets us where we are, but he, he loves us too much to leave us that way. That he doesn't give up on us. That every day he's making us more like him. That he is transforming us into who he wants us to be. And you and I have got to be willing to model that same attitude to each other. So it's a challenge for us to meet each other where we are. But also to love each other enough to say, to speak into our potential and say, this is where God's calling all of us to go. This is what God wants to accomplish in us. And to speak into each other who God wants us to be. So we encourage each other, we inspire each other, and we help each other become more like Jesus. That's the whole point of why we meet together. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And I love the, the writer of Hebrews speaking about the urgency that we ought to have. We love each other and we push each other closer to Jesus with a sense of urgency. Like this, we only get one life. This matters. This is a big deal. We can't mess this up. And so we're willing to fight for each other and to push each other closer to Jesus. Man, I've had guys in my life and been fortunate enough to have guys who have spoken into my potential. I mean, even the reason I stand on this stage tonight is because as a middle school um, student, as a high school student, I had other people that saw something in me and spoke that into me. That spoke into my potential, that encouraged me in my faith, and sometimes that called me on my crap that saw the way that I was living and loved me too much to just continue to let me live that way and sat me down and said, dude, I love you, I'm here for you, but the way that you're living is not right and let me help guide you into who God wants you to be. It, and it wasn't done in a like, a, I'm better than you thing. It was like, hey, we're in this thing together and I can't leave you hanging. And we've got to be willing to trust each other enough where we can look at each other across the room or across a small group or whatever and say, I love you, I am for you, but God's got something better for you than the way that you're living. And I'm committed to you and I'm going to help you every step of the way, just like I expect you to help me every step of the way so that we can become everything that God wants us to become. Man, if we model that, that would transform not just us, but we would see that impact our community. There would be other students who would be begging to come here on a Wednesday night to sit in this service and then to go to your small group so that they could experience the same power of community that you guys are experiencing. I think about every 
over the last few years, every student video that we've done, story video of how we've you know, either had students up on the stage or shared a video at Rush or whatever and talked about how God is transforming their life. And almost without exception, I mean, every single one is a student who looks and says, my small group had such a huge part in bringing about life transformation. I don't know where I would be if it weren't for that group of girls or that group of guys who rallied around me and invited me and welcomed me in and helped me get to where I am today. Every single one. If we had time last week, Lindsay would have gone on and on and on about how much her small group has impacted her over the last few years. See, the whole point is, when we, when we make small groups our priority, life change will take place. And that's why we're here. Here's the main point for us tonight. We are reckless. A community unified in purpose and committed to growing together. We're a community unified in purpose and committed to growing together. Now let me tell you, this is not something that comes natural. This is not something that just sort of happens. We put a bunch of people in a room and then, you know, with around a bunch of toys, kids' toys and stuff, and all of a sudden they come out of the room magically looking like Jesus and unified together. All right? It isn't that easy. Sometimes I wish that it was, but it's not. This is something you have to be willing to fight for. This is something you guys have to determine, I'm willing to fight for this. And it can't just be your small group leader who's waving that flag. It can't just be them. You're the one that's got to be willing to say, yes, I'm going to fight for this. All of us are going to fight for this. It's a lot of hard work, and it's going to require conversations and saying, look, I wronged you and I messed up and I'm sorry, or to hear that to other people, to forgive each other, but to radically love each other like Christ loves us. And even though it's going to take a lot of work, it is worth every ounce of hard work that we put into it. In the end, it is worth it. Community is what God has called us to. It is what he has created us for. And when we create an environment where everyone belongs, when we are unified in purpose together, and when we push each other closer to Jesus, reckless becomes something powerful. And we've got an opportunity to determine this is worth it, this is what we want to be about, and we're going to put that on display in this room and in our small groups, and we're going to watch God do some amazing things in the process.